0: You know, nowhere has the opportunity for misunderstanding between corporates and investors been greater than in ESG. And a key reason for this is that companies have simply failed to understand the depth of interest and concern. And and it's a lack of corporate engagement and corporate leadership that I think has allowed others to take over the agenda. The consequence has been that the discussion fails to appreciate nuance or complexity. And most of all, that Western investors often seem to be relatively disinterested in the impact of their views on the lives of others who have less voice. Are we trying to achieve social improvement or environmental improvement? And What do we do when those two conf- conflict and whose concerns and interests are paramount? Is this local or global? And unless companies are clearer and realistic about the impact of what's going on around them, then the loudest voice will win. And that's often the voice. With the most money and there's a certain irony here so often i'm told or read in esg materials that companies have to care about more than just their shareholders i genuinely don't think i've ever worked in a corporate where there hasn't been a serious understanding of license to operate the impact on communities and the importance of employees you're always mining under license political risk is a constant and of course things go horribly wrong in this area but companies are not good at communicating the complexity of these issues. I think to get an idea of why corporates have failed to lead the narrative, it might be worth just having a quick look at how ESG issues have developed and almost blindsided companies. When I first started, in investments i came across a small group of specialist ethical investors they often had religious backgrounds like the quakers who'd set up friends Provident insurance in the uk the other one was calpers california public employees 400 billion pension fund was a leading light at the time and they worked on excluding things like tobacco alcohol armaments gambling and i can you know remember things like discussing whether a sock manufacturer would have to be excluded from a portfolio because they had a contract supplying socks to the military Yeah, it was a simple time. Um, This was what was called dark green and gradually it started to evolve to light green uh, or looking for companies who were doing clear social benefits. And this naturally tended to include lots of life science and technology stocks. I often see comments that ESG funds outperform because they're better run companies taking a longer term and more holistic view. But I think this tends to ignore an inherent sector bias within the funds. It remained a very niche specialist fund activity, uh, perhaps one fund within a range of conventional financial return driven funds. But I think what was going on was that most houses had the idea of of the principles of ethical investing and were warming up in the ring when companies hadn't arrived at the stadium or even realised there was an event coming up. Two things have come together and transformed the landscape in Western financial markets. Climate change is obviously the key issue. The other one's been gender equality. And these are far more complex issues. Simple screens and excluding companies doesn't work. A consequence of this has been that there's been a move from focusing on the activities of the companies and excluding certain activities and a shift to strategic intentions. The outcome is that the companies are generally being pressed to sign up to three big strategic aims. And this is what we constantly get from investors. Zero carbon by 2050, signing up to the agreements Mm -hmm. of the Paris Agreement. So limiting climate change to preferably a one and a half percent degree change. And lastly, a commitment to having boards being at least 30 percent female. For corporates to sign up to a 30 year target is unusual. No one remembers any strategic intentions going back to 1990 and what would they have been you know a fax machine on every employee's desk possibly you know generally executives and boards would be reluctant to commit future management in this way if a typical ceo is around for six years then a 30-year target that's potentially five chief executives into the future you know these strategic games are hard to measure and and very difficult to tie to any sort of incentives so but with but within this general light green exterior is a hard dark green exclusion that, that hangs over from the old ethical investing days, and that is hydrocarbons have become unacceptable, and the inclusion of thermal coal is not even a discussion. In meetings I have with investors, the line has moved from limits of fifteen percent of revenue to five percent of revenue, and then zero, and the impact on of this on the major diversifieds is clear. Rio Tinto. Completely out of coal uh, within the time that I worked there, um, but in in you know, the last few years, there's also been a consolidation of the industry. Global fund management houses tend to run with the highest perceived risk, so you know the likes of Blackrock seven point four trillion assets under management, very clear running sort of you know global platforms with strong ESG commitments and the other issue has been the rise of passive funds or index funds they can't compete on investment performance or on fees so they they compete on sort of esg engagement and so you've got a a a situation where there's sufficient weight within the investment management community that it almost doesn't matter what what the minority thinks so i would say 18 months ago there were hedge funds that would say to me they were really financially driven rather than interested in in esg issues but now they'll tend to say look i'm financially driven but but I have to take account of it because everybody else does because it's just become the majority. And I think this has really caught, you know, I think this has caught corporates unawares. Unhelpfully, it's allowed a lot of third parties to come in, sort of data providers and consultants. And the corporates just need to get um, much, you know, much more engaged in this and really lead the discussion, give very clear commitments on on how they're how they're going to do it. I was really disappointed to see recently a statement from Cowpers and Schroders that it should be mandatory that auditors and companies report on climate risk. And it's disappointing because companies really ought to be leading this discussion.